Well, welcome to the Thinking Church podcast. This is episode one, and thank you so much for joining us on this journey. This podcast is designed for church leaders, pastors, charity leaders who want to think through their next move. We have a real heart to be able to provoke thought, affirm thought, and cause more thought as we navigate our ministries for this next season and beyond. Mark Ryan, welcome for joining us on this journey. We are going to do some real work today on what we should be certain about and what we should be clear about. The great debate today is about clarity or certainty. Well, we're going to say some real ideas about what should we be clear about, what should we be certain about. But before we do that, let's have a think through about what the Thinking Church podcast is all about. Now, the heart behind Thinking Church podcast is that we think that church leadership has moved into a little bit like how we use a sat-nav. We've got lots and lots of people who have been able to master the technology of a sat-nav. They're on the right road, but they're not sure if they could ever read a map if the sat-nav went down. And lots of things in church, we've got some great programs that we've all shared with each other and the generosity's great, but we just wonder what's coming out of our own hearts or what we're thinking for ourselves. Now, not to say people aren't thinking, of course they are, but thinking church is all about unpicking where we're at and trying to understand it a little bit more. So let's press into our subject today. In a few moments, our guest, Gavin Calvary, is going to describe to us what an evangelical is. He's going to leave us in no doubt the four characteristics of what being an evangelical is. And it got me thinking about what we're really offering in church today. You see, quite rightly, lots of ministries have told us, hey, we can't be certain during this pandemic about when we're going to come back from lockdown, uh, what the situation's going to be. So don't speak certainty, but do speak clarity. Tell people exactly what's happening for the next phase. And that was really good advice because if you promise somebody, hey, we're definitely regathering our church on uh, this day, on this month, and then actually you can't do it, all we do is cause more confusion and more disappointment. But we can be clear about, hey, this is what we're doing over the next few weeks. And that was really good advice. But one of the things that's happened is, in not wanting to be certain, we may have lost some edge on some things that are foundations for us. Some things that mark us out. Can I use the word distinctives? We need to understand that If we're going to think through this pandemic, we need to remind ourselves of those foundations that have served us really well. We have been creative, we've been general, we've been helpful, we've been nurturing, we've been life-affirming, we've been helping people get through a, a lockdown and a pandemic, we've been comforting, we've been informing and instructing. 
but maybe we haven't given enough direction because we ourselves are unsure of direction but there are some things during this time and here's the thinking there are some things during this time that don't change as pentecostals as evangelicals there are some things that are certain in our theology and some things uh, need a response from that certainty Hey, I don't want to cause any controversy, but I do want to cause some thinking. Let's think about some Pentecostal distinctives, and I know there's going to be a debate about that. But as Pentecostals, we really believe in conversion. We believe that people do say a big yes to God. And we need to make sure that we are certainly calling for that. Gavin is going to make a strong case for this as an evangelical we also believe in holiness and can i say the word sanctification i know that that's not an instantaneous thing but we do believe in progression that's been a pentecostal distinctive and we need to certainly call for that we believe in spirit baptism that the holy spirit comes and changes an experience giving a different dynamic to people's life with boldness and witness and the ability to evangelize the ability to worship we believe in spirit baptism and the empowering of a, an individual's life for service we believe in healing and over this pandemic prayer has sprung up more and more throughout the church and we need to call out certainly that god is still a healer and of course as pentecostals we've always had an eschatological mindset that this world won't just carry on and that Jesus is coming and that things are in God's planning and timing now some people think that's soon some people may not have an opinion about that but nevertheless we always live under the shadow of well God is going to wrap things up and bring his kingdom in fullness in his time and we are moving towards that fullness of the kingdom that's a pentecostal distinction what's my point the thinking is that we have to remind everyone online and everyone who is scattered that these things are a reality and they can play out in their daily lives whether there is a pandemic or not and we can offer certainty about conversion healing holiness uh, spirit baptism the fact that jesus has a plan to bring the fullness of his kingdom and therefore we can live different and more purposeful lives even amongst this time of lockdown and strange scattering time of course gavin is going to now make the point that in the evangelical church they have distinctives of commitment too why don't we listen to some of the things that gavin has to say in a conversation that i had with him earlier this year and what we're trying to say is let's not be afraid to say who we are and to be distinctive because that gives direction and confidence to those people who are listening to us Hey, let's listen to what Gavin had to say. The evangelicals are, are united in their love for scripture, are united in their absolute centrality of the death and resurrection of Jesus, are united in the need for conversion, we need people to come to faith, and are united in being active in the world. But then right. what evangelicalism does 
is it brings those who are biblically orthodox into relationship with one another. It's not one stream. One stream won't change this nation. Yeah. I love Elim. I yeah. love being part of Elim. It feels like a home match. Yeah. But I tell you something, Elim won't change the United Kingdom on its own. No. We need friends in the Baptist church, in the Methodist church, all over the place. We need all kinds of people together. Now, the Evangelical Alliance seeks to speak with one voice for those who would hold to those principal values I talked about before, but also seeks to, to bring friends together. There will be moments when people will get to, to meet others they would never have been in relationship with. Yeah. There'll be certain issues. We quite often take a bullet for the church, to be honest. There's certain issues on which we will make a stand so you don't have to. Or we will go first so that others don't need to afterwards. Think about some of the things we've done around uh, transgenderism in the last couple of yeah. years. We've produced a resource to serve the church that the world don't need to know about. Because it gets in the arms of the church leaders. It's like boot camp for Christians. It helps strengthen the church. We just get on with it. Instead of always telling the world, we're doing all of this and then they have a go at us. Yeah. I think the Evangelical Alliance exists purely and simply because as long as we have evangelicals, which are people passionate about the proclamation of the gospel, then we need to have unity wider than ourselves. Any one church or stream on their own will not change this nation. We as the EA need to make sure that we're not arrogant enough to think that we can either. Because all we are is the conduit that brings people together. We're the table around which people can gather and people can sit with one another. You know, it's really interesting what you say. Just go through those things that define an evangelical again. Just yeah. Number one well, was... Well, the first one is that we believe in the absolute, center, the, the absolute worthiness and centrality of Scripture. We don't think you shouldn't change the Bible to fit what's going on around you. Yeah. You should hold to the truth in the Word of God. Now, now, let's be honest, Mark. There are moments when the Bible can be like a stone in your shoe. Yeah. Because your culture tells you so many things, and we all are, are impacted by our culture. You only have to look at how easily we could pick apart churches around the world. In our own culture, we sometimes miss it. Yeah. And the Bible can rub against you a little bit, but that doesn't stop it being true. Yeah. So we are subservient to the Word of God. Secondly, we believe that the death and res resurrection of Jesus is the most important thing in human history. Absolutely fundamental to everything. And that's been under attack, hasn't it? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And people look at that in different ways. But when, when Jesus died in my place, that I could have life in all its fullness, and now, and life in all its fullness forever, yeah. that's central to everything. Yeah. Then thirdly would be the need for conversion. Many of my friends seem to think you come to faith by osmosis. Yeah. There's definitely a growth towards universalism. Everyone will come to faith in the end. No, evangelicals believe you get on your knees and you meet your saviour. You see, it was a healthy thing, the belonging before believing. Mm. The, the whole, hey, just come be a part of us. And uh, then, you know, you're feeling accepted. And in some ways that was, well, was really, really healthy. I know that when I became a Christian in the 70s, these people were completely different. You were completely alien and you had to join them and you had a conversion experience. And then over the years, we have kind of flipped it around and done the whole belonging before believing. And many, much of that's healthy. But I just wonder if we've taken that too far away from, hey, you need a definite decision and a change and there'll be people listening who'll go, oh, we're getting on dodgy, dodgy ground there. But speak into that a little yeah. bit about what you feel about conversion, yeah. whether that's a crisis or whether that's a quiet yeah. moment. But it is a definite change, isn't it? Oh, no, it definitely is. And we've got to decide what we're here for. Because if we're here just to do nice things for people and calling that mission, for example, that's kind of sanctified humanism. Yeah. You know, what are we actually, what is the church here for? And I don't know about yourself, but I feel like I've never been as big a sinner as I am today. Tell you why I've never known Jesus as well as I do till today. Yeah. The more I get to know Jesus, the more inadequate I feel and the more wonderful he is. 
And I think sometimes we're, we're afraid to talk in language of, of, of sin and brokenness and stuff. But actually, when you realise the glory of God, it shines a light on how broken you are and therefore you need him. I think one of the challenges for churches is intentionality, actually. What are you doing your parent and toddler group for? Yeah. What's the food bank for? What's yeah. the other bit for? Tim Keller's very clear when he says the only thing that the world, the church can offer the world that the world can't do for itself is the gospel. That doesn't mean that with that doesn't come social action, engagement. And and we don't even need that debate. What's more important, social action or evangelism? They're all linked together. But intentionality is the key. And I think there's a lot of churches that aren't intentional in why you're doing things. Your your creche is not babysitting. It's trying to lead little children to Jesus. Now, it might be one step. But then everything we're doing needs to be intentional in what it's trying to achieve. As an evangelical, I believe the intentionality needs to be about leading people closer to Jesus. So if they already know Jesus, go deeper. If you don't know Jesus yet, meet him. There's lots of steps along the way. But we too often, we're afraid of the moment. And we also think it's old fashioned, hands in the air, whatever else. No, no, no. You need to give people an opportunity. There are loads of people sat in churches today who aren't Christians because no one's invited them to. Yeah, and that's it. I think we're... That is probably a, a sign of our times that we have a lot of kudos, a lot of belonging before believing, and we're not calling out that belief. I, I don't know whether you come across that too much. Oh, no, no, very much. And, and I think we actually have to be honest about insecurity because we get into the Twitter newsletter mentality, yeah. which is I want to be able to tweet later that 74 people surrendered their lives to Jesus, whatever. Now, for a start, that's not mine to claim. For someone yeah. to be able to come to faith on a Sunday morning or at any event, it's probably taken four or five people to get them there. Absolutely. For them to make it in faith, it will take another four or five. Yeah. So let's not overstate the importance of the moment compared to everything else. It's a, it's a family business, anyone yeah. coming to faith. But we get insecure. We think, what if no one puts their hand up? What if nothing happens? What if no one responds? Well, you've got to deal with that. When I first started evangelistic preaching, I remember one week it went really well. Loads came to faith. One week, no one came to faith. The feedback when loads came to faith was, wasn't God good? When no one came to faith, a bit too much of you, Gav. So I decided quite early on, I'm not losing every time. It's yeah. all yours, Lord. So, Lord, it's down to you. If no one comes to faith, that's yours to deal with. Yeah. If loads do, it's your glory. But I will not stop inviting people. And if I was being flippant for a minute, allow a moment of flippancy, I approach sometimes the gospel appeal a little bit like asking out pretty girls when I was a teenager. I assumed the answer was no, but on the outside chance there might be a yes. I wasn't leaving the room without asking. Let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course, you would have had the opportunity for pretty girls. Myself, on the <laughs> other hand, well, let's move on. But you know what we're not saying is, is we're not saying that every meeting's got to be a crisis moment. Uh, just in our church, we had this great Christmas service and one of our choir members, and, uh, yes, churches still have choirs, uh, we had one of our choir members invited his friends and uh, said, hey, I'm singing on Sunday, come along. And it was his way of inviting people. Mm. And there were people from his running club mm. that said, oh, I run with this guy and, and I've just got to hear him sing today. Well, hey, they didn't put their hand up, but that was the first step. So we're not denying a journey, no. but we are saying that journey has to go somewhere. Definitely. And we need to get a greater regularity in when the appeals happen. So a friend of mine who runs a church on the South Coast felt really challenged that, that actually he wastes, he calls it three minutes, he wastes three minutes on lots of things every Sunday. I mean, I think all church leaders listening to this can understand. There's lots yeah. of things we spend three minutes on in the service. Yeah. And he realised you could get, you could give someone the chance to say the difference Jesus made in their life in 90 seconds, then he could do a 90 second little call if there was anyone. Yeah. Now every Sunday he does it. And he thinks it's the best three minutes of the service. 
because it gives someone a chance who would never talk about give glory to God in front of everyone else for what God's done in their life. Little testimony moment, little gospel moment. If no one responds, fine. If people respond, good. But people know every week there'll be an opportunity. And I think we've just gone away from this. In, back in the 80s, if it, one or two decisions for anything stuck for life, now it's six or seven decisions for it to stick. Yeah. So we need to do six or seven times as many appeals to get the same response. We do less appeals because they're out of fashion. We wonder why we don't get a great response. People make big decisions quickly and then undecide them too. We need to have more moments for it to stick with people now. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point because what we're finding is people do reaffirm their mm. commitment often. So, hey, we, we wanted to look at Scripture being orthodox and central. We talked about uh, conversion. Mm. Oh, I've missed one. What was the second Death one? and resurrection of Jesus. Death and resurrection of Jesus. Oh, that's very important, <laughs> isn't it? Death and resurrection of Jesus. Scripture being important. What was the fourth thing? You said? Fourth one is activism. So, so the bit that the bit that gets evangelicals credibility in cultures, but is often not recognised outside of the powers that be, is how much we do for society. Yeah. Is the billions of pounds worth of input and social benefit we give to the United Kingdom? The fact that the slave, the abolition of the slave trade, was driven by evangelicals in this country. Provision of education first by evangelicals. Christians against poverty. Street pastors. Food banks. All these things driven by evangelicals. Because we want to make the world more like the kingdom. You know, and isn't it true? Is it the Salvation Army do uh, most of the work on sex trafficking and, mm. and you know, hope for justice and mm. things like that? That You know, some of the real hard things about uh, the cruelty of our society, even today it's Christians that are addressing it, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And let's be honest, looking at our society and our economy and the world going forward, we will probably be given more opportunities to stand in those gaps. And we are the only people that consider it a privilege and an honour to do these things, to pay for them. And, and, and that does carry great weight. But I think, again, the intentionality needs to come in. Yeah. So we're not rice Christians. We're never going to be those. You don't only get from the food bank if you'll follow Jesus. But if we're running a food bank and there's never a, a tract put in at Christmas or an invite to an alpha, what are we doing? Yeah. So the so the golden thread running through things is is the fact that we are the carriers of good news, and it, we mustn't get afraid of cultures as we are proselytising. No, no, no. We've got the greatest news the world could ever know. You can only live once you've known the author of life. You exist till you meet the author of life. We've got life in all its fullness and the opportunity to share that. Why on earth would we not want to? And there were some people perhaps listening that run food banks and things and haven't seen any growth from that or and saying that that isn't really the point of food bank but i really like what you're saying is let's make our intention clear and i think in 2020 don't you think that if we're going to think through church one of our key things to do is not only the great stand what you're saying about unity but the second stand is about confidence about right. being stronger about and you said earlier about the evangelical alliance being brave and being kind mm. How can we be brave or, or talk yeah. into that bravery just for a moment? Yeah, I think, um, I think for an awful long time we've been used to being loved and accepted within culture and Christianity being fundamentally yeah. normal in the UK. It's not now. We're outside of social orthodoxy. So we've got to choose. Are we living to please man or to please God? It's not quite as clinical as that, but in our society, what, what is the aim? What are we trying to do? And I think there's a calling on us to be braver, to stand out more. Salt should bring flavour. Light should bring light into places that are dark. Are we prepared to be that? Are we prepared to be distinct? If you look at where the church is growing around the world, it's where Christians are, are on the margins. You don't see revivals in the mainstream. They're from the margins. We're being pushed into a position from which we have the opportunity to be brave. It's the greatest opportunity in my lifetime so far 
for the church to actually stand out and be distinct. And so I think for us to be prepared to know how and when we can share our faith, we've done some work on that at EA, to be prepared to know what it really means to live under the authority of the Word of God. And for some of us, I don't, I'm not sure the terminology is quite right. Some of us just need to come out as Christians. Yeah. We just I, need to frankly be honest. I think what we did was we wanted to be relevant and to use it saying we didn't want to be naff. We didn't yeah, want to have, yeah. you know, there's a thing when uh, I used to go to church growth seminars and the most thing was if you had good coffee, then, you know, non-Christians would come. And I'm thinking if good coffee is the only thing we've got to offer, then we're in real trouble. And I, I get the relevancy thing. I, I think it's uh, sometimes it's strange that Christians are, you know, so disconnected from the world. But on the other hand, I think there's a new move coming whereby actually it's our distinctiveness. Mm. And I don't mean just how we dress or what have you. It's our distinctiveness of kindness and behavior and acceptance, but with an opinion that actually will win the day. So here's something to think about. Maybe as we're all trying to think about the future, we perhaps need to remind ourselves of what we've already known. Perhaps it's time to remind ourselves of the distinctives that mark us out, whether you count yourself as an evangelical or as a Pentecostal, but some of your own convictions, if you remind people of those, it brings certainty. And when we have certainty, we have focus. When we have focus, we have direction. And when we have direction, we can navigate what the next season will be. I certainly know we won't know every twist and turn but our distinctives can guide us as we begin to help to lead people back into a different season in church lots of people are trying to predict that but i believe it's our distinctives that will help us shape that new season nobody knows what that new season is really going to be fully like but i am certain about some of the distinctives I'm taking into it. This has been Thinking Church and I hope it's helped you perhaps to think. If you want to email me at mark.ryan at bcc.life and say, but what about this? Have you thought of this? I'd be delighted to start a conversation with you. I really hope that you have enjoyed just thinking with us about Thinking Church and perhaps you can remind yourself of some of the distinctives that have kept you going for years because they may just be the fuel for the future. Hey, I hope to see you next time on Thinking Church when we reevaluate how we're really doing and what are some of the things of true evaluation. Hey, it's going to be a thinking and thoughtful time. So God bless and I hope not to use the word thinking too often. God bless you. Have a great time. See you soon.